Hello and welcome to Chingona's Only Club. This is a very special episode. It is with my very first guest on the podcast. Um, and we were so enveloped in our conversation that it went on very long, but it is very good. <laughs> so what I'm doing for you guys today is I'm releasing two episodes. This is all one, but I am breaking it up into two parts so that you guys can have an easy listen. Um, so I hope that you guys enjoy it and you enjoy my guest and we're going to get right on into it. So get ready, get comfortable and let's dive in. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> You're the first guest of the podcast. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. When you started this, I like totally was like, please, please put me somewhere in it. Do that <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Samantha, now Darling. Yeah. Um, I just, I actually just got that updated yesterday. Samantha Darling, I... I'm 29. I'm pretty sure. Yes. I have a five-year-old daughter, which is kind of awesome. And I'm also in the Navy. And then I live here in Washington. I have my dad who lives with me and then my two dogs. Yes. <laughs> Mia and Hardy. Yep. Mia and Hardy. They're like <laughs> super elderly too. <laughs> they are like senile old dogs, but oh, they're God, super yeah. sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mia, Mia is 16 and Artie is 14. See, I'm worried about Mars at seven, and you're like doubled that age. So, well, I, I keep, hope. I keep telling myself they're probably not going to make it, and then they keep making it through the next command. I'm like, all right, like, <laughs> super old. <laughs> awesome, welcome. Obviously, you know how much this podcast means to me, and was super excited about having guests. And I was like, can yes. you please be my first guest? Can you please pop yes. my cherry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes i'm super happy super happy to be here yes. i've been listening the whole time it's great uh you're doing great so I'm thank happy. you yeah so the theme of the show is to talk about women's issues struggles successes and how we overcome a ton of different barriers and things that we go through just mm -hmm. as women alone and not to say that men don't go through the same things that we do but it's just vastly different yeah. I brought you on here today because I wanted to talk about heartbreak you recently experienced something pretty heartbreaking in your life and and mm -hmm. I'm happy that you are choosing to talk about it because you have a lot to offer in terms of insight experience and just honesty and I think a lot of women can benefit from that. But also, I wanted to talk about how heartbreak comes in many forms. Mm -hmm. It's usually tied to romance, but it can happen in friendship. It can happen in parental relationships. There's so many different types of heartbreak. And it can happen to us at various stages of our lives. And I think that it's super important as women to acknowledge that and talk about it because... I wish someone would have talked to me about heartbreak and how to deal with it. And a hundred percent. Yes. I, it, it was the most unhealthiest coping mechanisms <laughs> and it was fucking awful. I'm going to tell 
everybody a quick little story about what I consider my first heartbreak. And then I will turn it over and we'll kind of flow into yours. Fun. Okay. okay. Sounds great. Cool. All awesome. right. So I'm going to take it all the way back. I get more Melly lore. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my first heartbreak, I was 11 years old. All right. And most people will say kids are not in love. Kids can't fall in love. And you're right. It, you can't. But in that moment when you're going through it. But you are. You're in you love. Are. Like, yeah. It's everything to you. World will end. Come yes. On. Romeo and Juliet drama. Oh, yeah. As my world is crashing. But let me uh, give you a little background. When I started middle school, if you heard the first couple of episodes of the podcast, I told you I didn't have many friends. Yeah. I didn't have any friends, actually. None that would say, oh, that's my friend so-and-so. Like, no, I had kids that were in my class and sometimes yeah. needed me to be the ninth baseball player on the team. Or like the second handball first. <laughs> but I didn't have a friend that I was happy to see at school or anything. This is sad. Whatever. So when I went to middle school, I was like, all right, this is it, Melly. This is middle school, fresh start. Sixth, yeah. seventh, and eighth grade are going to fucking rock. And so I started in sixth grade and I realized that it's fucking horrifying because, again, I am completely like a total loner. And mm -hmm. I, even though I have a lot of people that I'm in the same classes with, I share four or five periods with them. I'm still not like making friends. Day one, nobody talked to me. Day two, I was. Well, you have to understand like, during that time too, that's like, your super awkward, yes. weird, like my body is changing. <laughs> Maybe not comfortable with myself and like other people aren't comfortable with you and each other. And Oh, ugh. it was awkward. Hormones everywhere. And I had, for some reason, I carried like 20 textbooks. I had like. <laughs> Big ass backpack, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, yeah, yes, yeah. We weren't, we weren't allowed to have lockers, so like, I totally get that. Yes, yeah. no, it was, it was horrible because they give you like 20 textbooks on the first day of school, and then you don't know if you need to bring them to school every day because uh, you yeah. never had that many classes and that many teachers, and it was just awkward for sure. So we used to get out early with an early release every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, okay. our early release was at 2 p.m. And because it was at 2 p.m., I avoided going home. As I mentioned, I did whatever I could to not go home. And so mm -hmm. when I would get out at 2 p.m., there was a little Caesars across the street from my school. And back okay. then, there were 99-cent slices, okay? Ooh, all right, all right. 99-cent slices, and if you wanted a Coke, it was fifty. So okay. I was like, okay, Wednesday, saving all my cents. And there was a donut shop right next to it. And at the donut shop, they had, I don't know, probably shitty donuts. But I, you could hang out there and you could get like a donut and a hot chocolate. And it was amazing yeah. because I'd never felt independent. You know? That makes sense. Oh, yeah. I'm hanging out at the donut shop by myself. And so at the donut shop, the very first day that we had an early release, there was a girl there. She was sitting there and she looked like super like alone and we both made eye contact and she had gone to elementary school with me but she's mm -hmm. one of the popular girls and she never talked to me and I never knew if she was nice or not nice or whatever but I know mm -hmm. that her clothes were always super pressed and she was just everybody wanted to be around her all the time so yeah. immediately it made me super nervous and awkward because 
to this day. And she made eye contact with me. She smiled at me. I smiled back and she's, do you want to sit with me? And she was by herself too. And she was by herself okay. there. And I looked around like, she's fucking talking to me. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I sat down and I was, and she's like, are you, are you waiting for your parents too? I don't oh, know. My parents oh. don't even know I'm here. <laughs> and I was like, oh You're no, I'm just wasting time. And she told me that she forgot that it was early release because it's her first time. And yeah. so her mom wasn't going to be able to pick her up until 4.30. And it was only like 2.05. And she's like, do you have to go home? And I was like, no. And she's, well, do you mind sitting with me? I'm like really nervous. She's a little kid, if you think about it. And she was just nervous of having to wait by herself in a place. And I'm like, this is normal for me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah sure. I'll sit here with <clears throat> you. And so mm -hmm. we started to talk and it flowed so easy. And I've never, that was my first like instant connection with another girl that yeah. ever. And she talked super fast, but she was really funny. And she thought I was really funny. And we had our, our first round of donuts and she mm -hmm. bought me a donut. And we just had the most wholesome like moment. And she's like, I think you're in my second, third, and fifth period. And I was like, I am. And she's oh, it's just so cool. I'll look for you tomorrow. We can sit together. And I was like, oh, okay. And from that day forward, we were inseparable. My besties. But only, I, I consider her my best friend because she was my only friend. But she had her best friend, which mm -hmm. was weird. But that's different. Okay. To be like, who's your best friend? I'm like, her and she's like oh it's like mine is her so that was awkward so then i was that's like me now it's totally fine i get it yeah <laughs> that's weird <laughs> but anyway so all the little boys in middle school had crushes on her every okay. single one of them she was so pretty mm -hmm. she was so this and this one guy who I thought was super cute. I was, oh my God, you know, like little in, in like full on teenage, like, ah, oh, like, let me write his name on my like notebook. Yep, yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. God, I hope nobody hearts ever everywhere. Yeah, hearts everywhere yeah. and all that. His name was Alex. And yeah. I heard that he had a crush on her. And so it was heartbreaking for me, but not really. It was more, oh, that sucks. But I just forgot about him yeah. or whatever. And then one day he came up to me and he started talking to me and I thought he was just trying to get close to her because I was the closest person to her. To her. And many uh -huh. boys did that. They would come talk to me so they could talk to her. So I'm just, whatever. I'm waiting for him to ask me, you know, if I can About put in her. a good word or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he didn't. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So then the next day he comes over and he talks to me again. And then I think by the second week of school... He was like, mm -hmm. hey, so I like you. Do you want to be my girlfriend? It was super awkward, very Ooh, forward okay. thing. And I remember just standing there and I was holding my backpack and I was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, great, I guess. I, I, yeah, I mean, do we hold hands now? I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And he wasn't my first boyfriend. I had a boyfriend before him, but the... The most I ever did was I held his hand. like a hug. I hold his yeah. hand once. And then I was like, oh, oh yeah. of course. <laughs> so it was super innocent, you know. Oh, and totally. so I start dating 
dating stupid this wasn't dating we see each other at school yeah. and you guys walk to class together walk me to class give me hugs like, like mm. oh look yeah. he, he lived he let me wear his sweater it's so oh my god like he had me borrow his notebook like yeah yes, i totally get it yeah and my relationship with my friend also grew very very strong we were very bonded and our wednesday early release hangouts became a thing and every Wednesday, and it was just you two it right? was just us two and eventually we started making other friends and we had a little clique of five people and we were all good friends mm -hmm. and this became this regular thing and i think i was this guy's girlfriend for a month and he was my first real kiss so i was enamored he was oh it, God, like we're gonna yeah. get married or something and we're gonna go off to live in a farm but he didn't know that <laughs> Of my, course. <laughs> my own fantasy and and one day he started staying on wednesdays because he's like oh, i want to okay. hang out with you and he started staying with us and we used to play and and this is how you know we were like little kids we were like the little yeah. children we used to play tag we used to play freaks tag and we used to play hide and seek so it was my turn to look for people so mm -hmm. you know like, oh, counting or whatever and i'm looking for everybody and okay. I find him and her. Of course. Of course you do. And they're making out. Mm. And I remember I felt like I was intruding. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, of course you do. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just close this door. Like you guys can just get right back to it. I'm so sorry about this. I I remember stepping back and I just turned around and immediately I got super nervous. I don't think that I felt angry quite yet in the, mm -hmm. in the at the very very beginning. And then I just ran to get my bag and my oh. other friend who was a girl, she was like, "Oh my god, you saw them." Okay, so everybody knew. Okay. And I was like, what? And I remember I just grabbed my bag and I put all my shit in there and then I just took off. And I could have gone, I used to take the bus and it was a 30 minute ride home, but it was only like 2.30 and I didn't want to mm -hmm. get home at three and I was sobbing. By that point I was like crying and so I decided that I would walk all the way home. And that's probably, I don't know, like, like an hour. six miles. Two hours? You know, yeah. in the city. So it takes 30 minutes to get home. And, mm -hmm. but I was like, I, I don't care. So I remember like walking home the whole time, just crying, like ugly crying. And people kept asking me because I'm a little kid and I'm like, <laughs> and people are like, are you okay? Are you lost or something? Well, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I sobbed the whole way home. And I remember thinking, one, how long? Like, when was the first time they did this? And two, why? Because I, I didn't understand if he liked well, my first, her. My first thought is, did everybody know? Because obviously people knew. So the girl that was there with us, that was her best friend. Oh, got it. Okay. And she knew because when it was her turn earlier in the game to look for them, she saw them. So she had okay. just found out that scene earlier. Also. And I, I remember asking, are you okay? And she wouldn't look at me. That's so she okay. so she knew, but nobody else knew. 
and that was a Wednesday the next day and we remember we used to sit next to each other in all our classes so her seat was next to mine in yeah. four or three or four out of my we had eight periods which now I think about it I'm yeah. like it's fucking ridiculous but we had eight periods yeah. in middle school and she used to sit in like half of them she was like my battle mm-hmm. buddy and she didn't try calling me like that day she did she or did not I? She did not try oh. calling me, and neither did he. Of course not. No one tried calling like, me. Mm. Not my friends, not her best friend, not him, not her. And I felt so incredibly hurt and betrayed because I, I felt like everybody was just laughing at me. Was this a joke? Mm-hmm. Was this a Did he make a bet or something? What was it? I didn't under... I could, yeah. My brain could not process, like, what was going on. And no, I would have been thinking the same thing. It was so sad. And I realized that in the middle of the night when I was crying in my bed, I realized that I wasn't sad because of him. Like, I didn't, I mean, he's a boy, whatever. Like, he was my first boyfriend and whatever. But I was, the, what I couldn't stop thinking about was her, my friend. Yeah. I yeah. was incredibly sad and heartbroken because I knew that our friendship would never be the same again if mm-hmm. it was salvageable at all. And I wanted to mm-hmm. because I actually really valued her. Like she brought a lot of meaning to my life in a time where I really needed that. And she doesn't know that. I never told her that even to this day. Like she probably has no clue. Yeah. But clearly our friendship meant a lot more to me than it did her. And that was mm-hmm. pretty heartbreaking to find out in like the worst possible way and when I went to school she came into the first class that we had together and Mm -hmm. she grabbed her chair and she moved it and I didn't understand that's like me that's mean girl status like yeah and I didn't understand and I'm like what the hell and I didn't I, I didn't try to talk to her. I At school, I was like, I'm not fucking crying. This is bullshit, yeah. you know? So I just went about my day. And then, like, our fourth class together, she's sitting there. And people, of course, already knew, right? It's like the gossip yeah. train. Everybody knew what had happened. And I wasn't talking to anybody. I was like, I'm not talking about this because I don't. I didn't want to start crying. And I, didn't, and I felt stupid. It yeah. doesn't matter how I told the story. At the end of the day, I was dumbass. And in the middle of class, someone asked her, like, why aren't you sitting over there with her? And she just broke Mm -hmm. down and started crying. She just started crying. That was my reaction. Like, that face you just made. What the hell's wrong with you? She started crying. And I remember everybody, like, rushing to her. Did she say anything? No. Uh, to me, at, about that, no. She, Everybody just rushed over to her and was like, oh, it's okay. They were, like, hugging her. And I remember at that moment, at that moment, I got angry. God. At, th- at that moment, yep, I, I got super mad because I felt she wouldn't even let me have that moment where yeah. I get to be upset I and I get to be mm-hmm. angry without you playing like a fucking victim and I was so mad yeah. and I you know she's a kid I now thinking back on her I'm like I don't even know if she knew what she was doing I will hope not because that's really fucking evil 
But in that moment, I was like, I can't even have this. I can't even have this little moment. And mm -hmm. needless to say, our friends, our friends, just like your friends play matchmakers, they play like the yeah. referees and they're like, oh, you guys have to talk to each other. You guys are best friends. Now yeah. hell, you can make up. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's not deal. a big deal. Mm -hmm. And we, I was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. And I did, but she ended up dating him. For like how long? For, I bet it was a no, long time. Huh? For a couple of months. And then they broke up. Okay. And then he ended up dating her best friend. Okay. Yeah, this guy was... There's obviously problems. This guy. <laughs> I can't even tell you. Like, I was like, how are you like this at this age? But guys are assholes from like early age, I think. Don't get me started. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but I, but to me, it was like, I've been betrayed by the same guy like three, four times with all of the, because those are all my friends. But my friends, that was what hurt. And I was like, are you guys dating? Like, he's like, especially if you know he's, he's like a, a dick. dick. Like, what, what are you, are you doing? doing? Yeah. No, like, That's it dumb. was, it was insanity. So, First year of middle school sucked pretty bad because I made like a great friendship. And even though we tried after, it was never the same. Uh -huh. It was never the same because sense. I never felt fully comfortable around her or her mm -hmm. best friend. Because at that point, I knew that they were very close and they clearly didn't see, they clearly didn't value the loyalty that came with friendship. Yeah, And I don't know if it was because their friendship came first or their friendship came so easy i mean it sounds like theirs wasn't that good either since they still they, dated but they were fine with it <laughs> and like dude. it didn't bother they acted like it was weird. the most normal thing in the world to just everybody dating everybody and for me yeah, it was just weird. this is super shady you know and now i know like i'm a very loyal person to my friends to my family so uh, my when I say when I have a relationship with a person, no matter what kind of relationship it is, whether it's friendship, whether it's whatever it is, I'm loyal to that person almost to a fault. Yeah. And people are not really like that. That's not a, a thing that I've found in many people in my life. But mm -hmm. that was fucking awful. And I can tell you that obviously I'm talking about it now at 36 years old. That happened to me when I was 11 or 12. Obviously stuck with obviously you. Obviously it stuck with me yeah. because that was my, my first female friendship. And I can yeah. tell you that in middle school, it happened two more times with two other friends, two other boyfriends. Uh, in high school, it happened again. And all yeah. I kept learning it wasn't that guys were assholes it wasn't even no that didn't even click it was like okay. girls fucking bitches <laughs> mm -hmm. but it was it was messed up because it, it fucked up my perception of female friendships it made me afraid of having girlfriends it didn't make me afraid of having boyfriends nope mm -hmm. it made me afraid of having girlfriends because i never saw it coming Never. Mm. And because it was, it always felt like I was left alone. If the guy chose to be with someone else, okay, you still have your friends. But if your yeah. friend chose to be with your guy, you don't have anybody. Like nobody Yeah. Said. And yeah. at that yeah. point in my life, my friends at school 
were all like the only people in the world that I felt I had or could maybe somewhat mm-hmm. rely on. So it was really bad and it and they created a bunch of like trust issues. You probably had a hard time yeah, making friends. To this day. Like I don't have a lot yeah. of girlfriends. Um well that I, I think that's aside from your I, I it relates to that too, but I also think it's because of your superpower that you have of reading people before they even have to say anything. People can walk in a room and you're immediately like, they're hella shady. I'm not gonna deal with them. Like, and then, and then you're always for, right. For people like, listening or watching this for the first time, they're like, this bitch is so judgmental. I swear to you, it's not that. I talk to I talk to everybody not, no. when I first meet them. I talk to them, but it's, it's like their vibe, their like whole vibe just completely crashes with me. And I feel like when I'm around certain people, I'm like heebie-jeebies like immediately. And they could be... They no, don't even need they, to talk to you. They could yeah, talk to I could me see them talking to someone else. else and I'm just sitting there. Oh, that was a horrible vibe. Okay. I don't trust that person. I mean, there's even been times though where you're like, hey, that person's super dope. Like, I don't know a lot about them, but yeah, I choose them every time. And you always <laughs> happen to be right. So. But that but I, I couldn't do that before. And I think I think that's, that's a result of being fucked over so many times where I'm like it's, where yeah. I'm like, I developed this horrible superpower. It's like, yes. a, it's like a person. I, I, I joke, and I probably shouldn't joke about it, but I always joke that our trauma creates superpowers yeah. with us. I, I That's how I positively think of it. But I mean, it's true. I, yeah, because you, you almost, you read into things that they say probably far more than anybody ever could because we're overthinkers. It, mm-hmm. But at the same time, as an adult... I'm glad that I've gotten to that point because I've saved myself so much additional trauma from having people who are just fucking mm-hmm. batshit crazy or toxic that I'm like, yeah, that person is not my vibe. I'm going to stay away from them. And then sure enough, in a couple of months, they do some crazy shit or some shady shit to someone. And that's the unfortunate part of that, right, is it's good to have those interactions to protect yourself. But it's exhausting. It is. And and it can be very yeah. draining. I don't do I, I I wouldn't say I'm similar in the sense of I can feel people when they walk in a room, but I can I'm very good at sensing people's emotional states at the moment. And that's so exhausting too, especially when you're around like negative people a lot. Yeah, yeah no, it's it is. Yeah. It's exhausting and like I said, it it changes the way you handle relationships and the way you make friends and the way mm-hmm. you fall in love and the way you you know, I, I I can genuinely say that that one experience with my very, very first heartbreak would say I've yeah. carried that with me. And it's it's like you it's like you're an easy target. It's yeah, definitely a core memory for me. Yeah. And I'll never mm-hmm. forget it. But I was only 11. When That's you're crazy. talking to your daughters and your sons and whoever, and they're telling you that their life is coming to an end and everything's fucked up and so-and-so talked to so-and-so and you knew that they were texting and, you know, you want to laugh, don't. <laughs> Listen to yeah. your kids because, oh my God, it can completely change their life. Talk to them about the importance of relationships and what they value and why they're heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Because it may not even be over a stupid girl or a stupid boy. 
it may be over the loss of friendship, the loss of self, and just complete humiliation, and, and you just don't know how to how to walk with that. And I would say it's super important yeah. to acknowledge heartbreak, no matter what shape or form it is, and teach your kids how to cope and deal with it. I could have saved myself so much yeah. freaking time if someone just taught me that, but <laughs> no, here I am now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Figuring out at 36 for me. But Mm -hmm. you have a different story. And Uh yours happened just recently, very recently. So I was, like I said, that's why I was very thankful that you're willing to talk about it. Because I know everything is still very Mm -hmm. fresh for you. But like I said, I, Mm -hmm. I admire you so much for how you have come out of it. But I don't want to spoil it. So I'm going to let you kind of tell us from from a little bit about your last relationship kind of how it started how it evolved and and where where did the issues kind of start okay so backstory i was previously married for seven years celebrated my seven-year wedding anniversary last july we got i met my ex at the time husband uh i met him in 2013 i was 20 and he was 27 mm-hmm. so he was a few yeah. years older than me he's about seven years older than me we met him i met him i was in the military he's in the military he's in the coast guard i was in the, i'm in the navy as you know and so we started dating we texted for a couple months we met online dating we texted for a couple months i finally met up and from the first date that we had i essentially lived at his house like i did like i would go to work and then i would my rule was that i wouldn't just think that I could just come over whenever like he had to still invite me but he every day and every day I would go over there and he would cook and it was great and into about two months of us dating he actually got transferred to Mississippi we lived we met here in Washington um, so he moved down to Mississippi and we started long distance dating so that was in September of 2013 I went and visited him in November for Thanksgiving then the following March, in March of 2014, he came and visited me. Mind you, we're still like long distance text call all the time. These are the only times we saw each other in person. So March, he came um, and saw me. And then in July, uh, in June, we decided, you know what? The only way we're going to end up getting stationed together again is if we get married, right? Because that's Talk how about a whirlwind, works. right? Especially, especially, especially when you have two yeah. different branches of the military, like it's very hard to get stationed together. And, um, so and we decided to get married. Can I just uh, now he, interrupt you for a second? Yeah. For people who are not in the military and you guys don't know, if if you are two service members, whether from the same military branch or other military branch or different military branches, you can get stationed together. It's not a guarantee, but both services will make an effort to put you in the same general vicinity mm-hmm. if you are yeah. officially married. So that was what Sam's referring to where... If they get married, like they'll be together. So, yeah. Correct. That was our mindset. That was our goal. Also, he's from Guam. So his parents live in Guam. His brother doesn't, but his parents do. I've never, I, I didn't meet them at this point. I had never met them. Uh, I don't even think I've talked to them. And he came and met my mom and my dad, like June, I don't know, like 30th. Or, they like right him? at the end of June. We, we went on leave. We went on leave to California. They loved him. Um, he was super nice. Everybody met him. They liked him. Here's the thing, though, is he met them three days before he got married. <laughs> it's hard to say um, we don't like him. So, so he formally proposed to me during that time. We got married on uh, July 3rd, and boom, we're married. Ooh. 
You still there? Sorry, it's like a thing came in and it paused or something. Okay, it's okay. Still, yeah, it's still recording. So okay, continue. cool. So he proposed so, to you while you guys were over there, and we got married. Gay. But that stuff is not right away. So he goes back to Mississippi. I go back to Washington. And right right then I changed my name. I made rank. I just became a second class at that time. So I moved out of the barracks and I ended up staying. I was like house sitting for one of my friends for six months while he was gone. So I was living in his house. And then at the end of December in 2014, he was able to get stationed where I am. Mm-hmm. So he finally moved in with me. So we had been together, what, like a year and a half at that point. And I think we've been in each other's physical presence maybe four months, if you total all the time together. Of course we were, of course. And so we've lived together, right? And this is my first time living with somebody. I'm, I'm a ch- essentially, I was like a child. I was like 21, never lived on my own before, never lived with a, a guy like that before. I lived with my mom when I was in high school. So there was some adjustments there because he's an adult he's almost 30 and i had to learn how to be a wife hey you need to do your laundry i'm like do i like i don't want to but (laughs) yes you do so those are all things that i had to learn like i didn't know how to cook very well so there was some adjustment period there i would say the first year was an adjustment but in that first year he was on a ship so he was gone all the time anyway he was gone every three months for about three months and that was the first postcard that was the first, what, like four, four years of us being married. It was like that. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting stationed from Washington because he was in Washington. So from Everett, I ended up getting stationed in Whidbey Island. He was stationed in Seattle. And for anybody who knows this area, that's a really long, that's a two and a half hour, like time Commute. difference. Yeah. yeah. So we had to live in the middle and living in the middle, he took the brunt of the commute and that was stressful. I I saw him, but not all the time because he was still going underway all the time. Plus, now he has to drive to a two-hour commute each direction. It's Um, like you guys would high-five at the door and be like, hey, hi, how you doing? But it was in 2016 is when I got pregnant with the little one. And that was great. I had an awesome pregnancy. He's super, he always wanted to be a dad. It was great. He was excited. Like I said, I was excited. Our family was excited. It was the first grandkid of everybody. So of course she's spoiled to death to this day. And so I had her in May of 17. And then what? I got, trying to think, I got stationed. Then <sighs> he lived here, still doing the same thing. I'm sorry, it's taking me a minute to. Did remember. you, did you at any point during that time, right? From the time that you met him and then you guys moved in together and then you got pregnant. Besides the fact that you guys weren't seeing much of each other, did you notice any any other, anything that, you know, now reflecting, you're like, hmm, maybe that was like an issue that we didn't necessarily discuss or, or did you, did you guys have any, I would say issues that kept coming up besides the whole, like, we need to figure out a way to see each other more? Like distance, yeah. I would say at the time, no, I thought everything was great. This was my first, it wasn't my first serious relationship, but it was my first serious serious relationship i had dated i had dated a guy previously for two years but i was in high school and i i, w- I never had intention of we're gonna get married and have kids i didn't think that was gonna be a thing mm-hmm. that happened and then it you know didn't and so this was my first real serious relationship so i i would say there was red flags probably not probably just from him i'm not perfect either right i'm still learning how to 
do this. I had never been married before. He actually had been married before. So that also was a thing since he was older than me. And yeah, it, I would say that there, I did find after having our daughter, it was hard because it changed our, your damn, your dynamics of a relationship when you have kids, right? You probably know mm-hmm. when you have a kid, now it's like kid focus. So if you were having issues previously in your relationship with your spouse, it's not that those get forgotten about, but they don't usually get handled, if that makes sense, because now your focus is elsewhere. Uh, and when people don't take the time to work on that, that's when other issues can happen. And unfortunately for us, when Marley was two, he ended up getting stationed in a different state. So the military does work with you to try to get you in the same state. Or but it's the not close, guaranteed. close air. Yeah, it's not guaranteed. So he ended up. And I just want to say that this happens to, to service members all over where they are married, they have a newborn baby or one-year-old or two-year-old or whatever, and they get stationed on different ends of the country. And mm-hmm. you don't get, like, extra time to to spend with your family. You don't get, like, extra money to be able to afford to go see them because it's expensive. It is entirely 100% on you to figure out how the hell you're going to maintain those relationships. And it can be pretty freaking devastating for anyone so i can imagine that as a younger parent with in a relationship with someone who's um let's say just older i won't say more mature but just older mm-hmm. um who had been previously married and maybe had certain expectations i can see why that would be difficult to deal with mm-hmm. yeah and so when that happened, we both agreed, all right, this is fine. The closest he could get stationed was California. That's why he went to California. Yeah. And you're from um, there. And I'm from there, yeah. So he was only two hours from where I actually grew up. But then that was in 2019. And everybody knows what happened in 2020 was COVID. And so all of our plans for visiting, he was supposed to be visiting every couple months. So he was going to be traveling up to see us, but now he couldn't. I think I saw him, he left in June of 2019. And then we saw him in February of 2020. And and another thing, because a lot of people don't know this, initially the government restricted flights and travel at the very, very beginning of the pandemic when it got really mm-hmm. bad for all civilian personnel as well. And then it resumed with specific measurements. What a lot of people don't know is that the military restricted all travel for the military. Yeah. We couldn't go anywhere to see our families and our families couldn't come to us and we separated the country was basically this massive roadmap where we had red states and we had green states and the red states Uh were highly COVID contagious and you could not travel to or from a red state even if you were in a green state and Mm -hmm. we were talking in color codes every time we wanted to talk about our family my family lives in a red state and mm-hmm. can't go red to red or green. I mean, it's so <laughs> stupid. But that was the yeah. something that the entire, all of the military went through during the pandemic that people don't know about that. I think that's for another topic, but I think that escalated into a ton of mental health issues that we're seeing oh, now. Yeah. Because as you're going to tell us, like that was completely and entirely devastating. So not only did I, so I think I saw him in January or February of 2020. And then I, I was, I was lucky enough to see him for a few days in May for our daughter's birthday. 
And then I don't think I saw him again until the end of the year. The unfortunate part of that is that I was here alone. I lived at the time, just me and my daughter and my dogs. And then at the time COVID's happening and, you know, me and you yeah. and some other coworkers were working 24 seven yeah. all from our house. Mm-hmm. And I had the bright idea to potty train at the same time. <laughs> Uh, because I can tell you from my mental state, uh, they shouldn't have done that, but at least she knows how to use the toilet now, which is cool. There was a lot going on. That was the hardest, oh, that was like the hardest time. So and, and, for me. And, and what people don't acknowledge or realize is that being a single parent is fucking hard. Being quarantined as a single parent with no family in a state mm-hmm. is fucking hard. Being a single parent and quarantine with no family in the state and in the military when you're working 24-7 because we're sending people out to New York City to go help with the COVID epidemic that was happening with the hospitals. We were a part of that. And I mean, it's everything was hard, but it was amplified in your situation because not only that, your husband is on the uh, is in a different state. And mm-hmm. you can't see him and you can barely talk to him. And what's crazy you know. about this, the entire situation too, was that I never considered myself a single parent. Like I never did. Yeah. Obviously I was, but I never sat here and was like, I'm a single parent. I do it all myself. Granted I did. And uh, now looking back, I'm like, you're dumb. Of course that's what you were doing. But uh, yeah, I like gladly would have done it over and over again because we were making the sacrifice for our family and at the end of the three years is when we were gonna um move back together and be together <clears throat> you know i was so worried so, about you and your relationship that whole time because i would always ask you like you know how do you guys do that and how do you do it and not because because i was genuinely curious because mm-hmm. for me i need i i don't need my husband to be by my side 24 7 mm-hmm. but there's a certain connection that happens when you are in the same location not just with you, but with your kids. Mm-hmm. So crazy. I, I remember you asking me about yeah. that and telling you like, well, we talk to him all the time. Yeah. He calls all the time yeah. and Marley's always talking to him and, and I like, always oh, am making okay. sure they talk. The, the problem that I wasn't recognizing at that point was, yes, we talked to him all the time, but we didn't talk all the time. We, he would call and talk to our daughter. Or my daughter would want to call and talk to him. Like him and I didn't talk a lot because... What did we have to talk about except for Marley? Yeah. And in 2021 is when I started to notice that. I started to notice, hey, okay, look, what's going on? Like, me and you obviously are losing this this connection that we had. You don't talk to me like you used to. And I'm a very, that's my love language, as you would say. I need communication. That's what I thrive off of. Yeah. And I was, and I'm not, you know, I'm not receiving that. How can we fix this? And he's, well, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm really depressed because I don't, I'm not with my family. I'm living here by myself, which I understood. I was like, that makes perfect sense. And so we had come to the conclusion of, okay, cool. So help fix the situation so we never have to deal with this again. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out of the military. I have been in for 10 years. I'm going to get out. Also, I wanted to do that just for my own mental health from other stuff. Um, but that's fine. I'll, I'll get out. You've been in longer than me. Marley and I will come live down there with you. And we can go to therapy and we can work on our communication. And we'll, we'll try all these things to, you know, to fix it. Because you're my husband. Of course I'm going to want to fix it did you ever hesitate when, what do you, when you said i'll get out and i'll come no. be with you no he said that's fine i will support you however you want and i was like really because to be 100 percent honest i never felt that much support only because and 
And it, it's only now that I realize that. And it's, it's because I felt I always made the sacrifice for our family. Now, if you ask him, he'll tell you, like, fuck that. I made the sacrifice because he had to leave his family, which he never wanted to do, for us, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we both, what we both failed to realize is there would be times where he's, hey, if I come visit for a week, I'll, I'll be there for a week. And I was like, cool, you can come for two weeks and then I'll go stay somewhere by myself for a week because I've just been with the child the whole time mm-hmm. and I'm by myself. I, I need some alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very unsettling for him because he was, I don't understand how you could not want to be with us. And I was like, well, I'm always with her. Yeah. You crave us and I crave own time a little bit so and he never only... experienced that granted he was there yeah. and he was there when, when he would visit her and was probably a great dad and attentive and playing with her but oh, yeah. tried doing that shit for three years every single day without someone yeah. to tag in and say all right time out and mm-hmm. then in the middle of a pandemic throw that yeah. in there i couldn't even i couldn't even go to the bathroom by myself now i know everybody experiences that with a toddler but jesus every single no <laughs> i i 100% understand because i have three boys yeah. and i'm so thankful that joe is always like you don't like you look really stressed out and you're starting to get a little loud. So I'm just gonna why don't you go take, like, a, go break, take a nap? Go take or, a walk, go yeah. take a nap, whatever you need. I'm here for you. And mm-hmm. I would always tell you, Are you sure maybe you can, you know, go somewhere, we'll watch her for you because I honestly I would look at you and I was in awe that how are you doing this? And and you mm-hmm. I think what you may have been trying to do, you can tell me if it's wrong or right was I think that you were trying to mask how you were really feeling and how exhausted you were because in a sense then it would be almost admitting that it was a mistake him leaving and he needed to be there and you needed him well I wouldn't say I I would say yeah you're probably right but I I would tell you that I never regretted I never resented him for it because I was like no you know this is this is my sacrifice for our. It's also not you. What? It's also not you oh, yeah. to be resentful, and I think, and but I think that's why you did it. It's because yeah. you're not the person to to say, "I'm sacrificing this for him," and he doesn't understand. I think mm-hmm. that by you saying you were okay and you were going to figure it out was your way of showing your understanding for the sacrifices mm-hmm. that you thought you both were making and we were just just say you're tired you're like, bro. <laughs> just say you're tired it's okay we'll we'll help you it's okay yeah. like no i like i love hanging out with her every single day every hour 24 every 7 day, walking her all the time oh my god <laughs> and i'm like yeah. blink twice if you need <laughs> around when was it like june or something of 21 is when my roommate actually moved yeah. in and she moved in, and I can tell you that I didn't realize how much I craved, like, adult conversations other than work yeah. conversations. Because she would just be in her room the whole time, and I would just bust in there and be like, hello. Like, that helps so much, just having another person in the room. Just um, like I, I, Yeah, and, like, it's, and it's not that I now had help with Marley, because I didn't, right? She's still my daughter, and yeah. she still has her own responsibilities. It was just nice having another person around. And because she moved in we realized that my house wasn't big enough where we were staying. So we ended up moving in 2021 at the end of September. And that's when I really realized that my relationship with my husband at the time was not the best communication wise. And it only kind of got worse from there. I thought we were making like progress or whatever. Cause you know, like I said, I, I would always bring it up. I'm never one to just be like, like to keep things to myself and then blow up. I'm always like, Hey, 
recognizing a problem yeah. here. Can you please discuss? Thanks. And we would talk about it and it would be okay for maybe a little bit and then it wouldn't be or whatever. Yeah. And so in July of 2021, was it 2021? I'm all my years. He came out here for our uh, wedding anniversary mm-hmm. for July. And we went to the zoo, and I remember it being the first time that I made a conscious decision not to complain about mm-hmm. something. Not that I complain all the time, but I made a conscious effort to be like, you know what? F it. We're just going to experience life. Like, I, I won't make any complaints about anything. We'll be good. And it was a great time. Like, we ha- I thought we had a great time. Went to the zoo, like I said. Because you didn't want to ruin um, it or spoil it by bringing yeah, up Yeah, like, I know issues. we had issues. And I was like, you know what? It'll be fine. Because we have an end goal. The end goal is I'm going to be getting yeah. out. We're going to live together again. Like, that's the solution. And can I, can I say, weren't we all, like, mega concerned about you getting out? When? when- we were like, wait, well, what are you going to do when you get out? And yeah, what's yeah, going to happen? You and you were like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to move in with him. We're going to go to California. Here's Here's the thing that made me feel so dumb now. And it's the one thing that I, I don't have regrets, but it's like the one thing that I could say, I guess I regret saying, was me sitting here being like, I am blessed to have somebody who will support me when I get out. <laughs> I have that ability to like have that support. Like, I just remember telling people that, like, because they'd be like, oh my God, you're going to get out. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm blessed enough to have that, like, support where I can I go to school if that. I want to. Or I can. And I was like, yeah, yeah, can, that's all like, great. But can we please make a plan? <laughs> Yeah, I was, was constantly was harassing you. you. <laughs> hey, I was sending you emails. Hey, maybe you should look into this certification. Or are you sure you don't like school? <laughs> yes, yes. I yes. was like, can we please plan something? Because I, it wasn't that I didn't, because I didn't know. Like as far as I knew, it was great, and your marriage was great, and everything was perfect. That's as far as right. I knew. <laughs> and so I didn't. It wasn't like I doubted mm-hmm. that he was going to take care of you. But this sudden, this, like, my heart would skip a beat, like, not in a good way. Every time I thought about you just taking this leap without a safety net. Uh And that's how I saw it. And he was, and in my head, he was Right, and I was like... Because I thought what I thought we were married for seven years. That's great, but, like, where's the other? There's supposed to be two. (laughs) Where's the other? And and it, it, I mean, I would would try it because I always... We talked about people who want to get out of the military and your biggest thing is like when people are trying to convince you to stay in, right? Yeah. It's your decision. It's your life. And I always told you that if someone ever told me that they want to get out, I'm like, go forth and do great things. I believe in I you. Yeah. And so yeah. I wanted to support you. I wanted mm-hmm. to tell you because I have no doubt that if you did get out of the military, you'd be perfectly fine Yeah, because you can do anything. Like I, I consider you to mm-hmm. be an incredibly smart and incredibly sweet and caring person. And I know that wherever you go, you're going to find, you're going to find what you need. You're going to, you're mm-hmm. not the person to like not put food on the table, roof over your daughter's head. You're going to yeah. figure shit yeah. out. Yes, yes I you am. are. <laughs> and so... I, I, that wasn't, that was never a, a fear that I had for you. My fear was mm-hmm. that you didn't have the intention to do that, that you were going to mm-hmm. let him do that for you. 
And mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's cool. But are you sure? Like, you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> and yeah, I'm mm -hmm. just going to figure it out. I'm like, oh, my God. It would just give me anxiety because <laughs> I was like, oh, my, you're putting your whole entire life in the hands of another person. Now, me and Joe, I can't. I couldn't even tell you not to because I would do the same thing. If Joe said, hey, yeah. I got you. I love like you. Like I said, if this was a if this was a relationship that was like a few months yeah. old, and then I was like, I'm getting out for this yeah. person, and I'm making all these. No, yeah, you would definitely. But this is your like seven 100%. year seven year marriage. You guys have a husband, a, a child together. Yeah, it's that's your person. Like, yeah, it's my person. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm like, this yeah. is fine. Like this I was like, I'm just being It'll an be overprotective mom. I know I'm just being an overprotective. I'm like, I'm panicking. It's not my job to panic. So I was like, you're yay, you're getting out. Yeah, but I think that I think that is part of your superpower though. And I think that's what has happening. Like your superpower is superpower. <laughs> my spider senses are tingling. I was like, okay. Apparently. Okay. Well, so what ended up happening was in September, and it was September 15th. Of course, I remember the stupid date. But anyway, it was September 15th. And we had been emailing all that day. And it was the most we have ever emailed. We were emailing about like, how we felt about things, how we felt like, hey, this is what I feel like I'm lacking in. And he was like, this is what I feel like I'm lacking in. And he had made a small note that was, I can't remember exactly what it, what he said, but it was something that made me question, hold on a second. What are you saying? Are you telling, like, the way that you're talking is telling me that maybe I shouldn't get out because you do realize that with me getting out, like, I won't have a job. You are going to be ultimately supporting us for at least a little while. I'm like, I'm making this big sacrifice of my career for yeah, you and no for joke. our kid. Yeah, yeah, and if I'm gonna get out, I guess this is the point, but still, I'm making this sacrifice. Like, you can't sit here and sound- Like you have doubts. Like, question, yeah, like you can't well, do that. Whoa, bro, like I'm supposed to go to TAPS class next week. Like, you need like, I'm getting out in the next couple of months. What are you talking about? I've already gotten all the things a way that I need to stay in. Yeah. I'm trying to stay in like civilian but, terms. No, like, no, no. Are you at that point, you're only a couple months away from your contract ending. You had already communicated to everybody and their mother that you were getting out. Yeah. We had made plans and scheduled you for classes to transition back into civilian life because for those of you that don't like know, my, my yeah, job for, for, was returned. Right. Like for those of you that don't know, when you're getting out of the military, if this is all you've ever known since like age 17 to whenever you've been there for 10 okay. years, you've, you haven't experienced the civilian world in 10 years and you have to take classes to kind of reacclimate yourself to society, to the job market, how to translate the skills that you put in mm -hmm. the military, you learn the military and apply them into like real world, like jobs and and how to market yourself these are huge huge right a resume yeah like they seem so basic and things that we learn maybe while we're coming out of high school and, and when your early college experience these are the things that you're learning but when you skip all of that you're a full-grown adult with a family and you're trying to transition into this life it's very 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 nerve-wracking and so I think at that point, mm -hmm. you weren't asking for anything unreasonable. You needed him to believe in you guys and your ability to get through this as much mm -hmm. as you believed in it. And that inkling of doubt made your alarm bells go off, which I'm, I'm kind of glad. And, and here's the problem. Well, and here's the problem is the fact that I, well, I guess not a problem anymore, but the fact that I brought it up and I said, excuse me, wait, you can't like just say something like that and then they expect yeah. me to be okay. 
his solution was to respond to me and say, you know what? I think I'm good. I don't feel like trying anymore. And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, I don't feel like trying this anymore. And I was like, hold on. You don't even want to like try. Like I get that we're not like where we were before. There's no like spark when I see him and like my eye, like that, that obviously Mm -hmm. isn't a thing anymore. And that to me is understandable. We've been separated for three years. That makes sense. But when you ask the person, hey, don't you want to like try to maybe get back to that? And their response is, no, I don't feel like trying. In an email. Okay. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. This is all over email, (laughs) by the way. He's deployed. He's not even. This is all in an email. You can't even have a conversation. He emails you this devastating thing. You ask questions to clarify, and then you wait until he's able to email you back. It's like the situation where somebody's like, hey, I want to talk to you tomorrow. And you're like, no, let's just do it now. Like, yeah. I can't wait that You're long. thinking like, that about it all every night. Every email, <laughs> every so email, stressful. like, you'd have to wait an hour. Oh, my God. And, it was and those that don't know and you, so right? Had... Like, we, we, we're hypochondriacs, and we have diagnosed Sam with a social anxiety. Oh, and uh, this is not what you do to a person with anxiety. You don't oh God, give them no. a negative information <laughs> and say, I'll tell you the rest later. Like, no. Fucker, like I won't sleep for twenty four hours. A hundred percent. And so that happened. So he emailed me and essentially said it was over. That's what he did. He emailed me and said, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore, it's over. And I was like, Holy, holy shit. So that was part one of Sam's heartbreak story. Part two is already up, so feel free to listen and I hope you enjoyed.